I felt led uh, by the Spirit to talk to you for a few moments about what it means to manage your walk with God. Now, last week, we talked about excess baggage. How many enjoyed the message, excess baggage? We're trying to get ourselves lightened, get the burdens off us, get that stuff off of us so that we can walk this walk and run the race that God has set before us. And so today's not going to be dessert. I like dessert. I think it's great. But uh, this is going to be more vegetables. How about we look at this as like a green smoothie? Hallelujah. And we're going to get it down today. It's going to help you. It's going to bless you. And I believe it's going to actually uh, pinpoint where you've been for a while. Let me make this statement. What you don't manage will ultimately manage you. Let me say that one more time. What you don't manage will ultimately manage you. Church, there's a difference between being delivered and being free. And I want to talk about the differences, and I think it's going to, this is all going to set you free. But when we look at the children of Israel, and we see how God heard the cry, heard their prayer, and, uh, and wanted to deliver them out of cruel bondage, out of a hard taskmaster under Pharaoh's thumb, under his hand. And he decided to do it. He raised up Moses to do it. Moses had to go in on what God told him to say and let my people go. Who sent you? I am sent you. You know the story. And so God, with his mighty hand, delivered millions of his people called the children of Israel out of Egypt, which is a type of the world or a type of the world system or bondage, and in one swoop, in one day, delivered them out through their gates and into the wilderness on their way into the promised land. But what I noticed was that even though when you study the scriptures, even though the children of Israel had been delivered, they still were not free. And I want to talk about that because I'm trying to remove some guilt today, some shame, maybe some condemnation. And many of you have felt as it pertains to your walk with God, like you can't do it, you're not good enough, so on and so forth. I want to challenge you, but I also want to encourage you with your walk with the Lord today. The children of Israel, once they got, were delivered out of Egypt, out of that bondage, the first thing they came up against, it wasn't, it was but ours, and they were up against the Red Sea. It was an impossibility for them to be able to cross the Red Sea. They would need a miracle from God because they had now Pharaoh and his army chasing them to take them back or to kill them if they refused to go back because he knew he made a great mistake. And so, but God was going to bless them. And so God said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And they did what God said. And the Red Sea opened and they were able to walk on dry ground across the Red Sea into the wilderness. But their enemies were swallowed up. Now, Wednesday and Thursday night when the sun went down marked the Feast of Purim. The Feast of Purim, don't have time to get into it, but you can get online, get my, get my message I preached on Thursday night about the Feast of Purim. But it has everything to do with this. It is prophetic for the church. What it means is God delivers you from your enemies. And it lasts all the way in. Come on, somebody. Are you ready for God to get you free, come on, from your enemies that are trying to hold you back into bondage? And they're getting ready to go into the Passover season, which we're getting ready to go into as well. 
Now, now as a result of that, they, they, were, they were delivered but not free because the next thing they had to go through was the River Jordan. That was another miracle that God did uh, that parted the waters for them to, dry, to walk across on dry ground. But then they had to defeat 10 other cities. Before they could go into the promised land, there were several things that had to occur before they could be completely free. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Disciples mean disciplined ones, means learned ones. It's the students is what it means. You are my students. When you're in my word, you're my ones that are learning my word. You become my disciplined ones in my word. You become those that know my word. Because he says now, and you shall know the truth. And the what? Truth shall make you free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There's something more than just the truth. Because most of you own a Bible, and the Bible's filled with truth. But you're still in bondage. You still got problems. You're steeped up to your nose with all kinds of different situations that are negative. So that's not enough. It's the knowledge of the truth that sets somebody free. I want to thank you and thank God this morning that you came on by to church on a Sunday morning so you could get more of the word to set you free. Y'all can clap harder than that if you want to. Jesus also, he said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus made it very clear. You get me, you get my word. He said, the Bible says in the book of John, that the word became manifest in the flesh, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of the word of God. And when you understand him and have a relationship with him, you have a relationship with his word, it comes to set you free. When you gave your life to Jesus, you were delivered completely out of what? Darkness. And now translated into his marvelous light. You're no longer a child of darkness. You don't have to spin your wheels and grope around in darkness trying to figure out your path. You are now a child of light. You have been delivered. Everybody say, I've been delivered. But that is not what sets you free. Now, don't run out on me. Hang with me. I promise you probably will agree with me. Why is that true? Because he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. When I came to Jesus, the only knowledge I had, thank God, was that he was, in fact, the Son of God, that he died for my sin. I deserve that bloody cross, not him, but he took my place. He became my sacrifice, and he was perfect, and he is God, and God raised him from the dead. I believe it, therefore I got saved. So now I'm out of darkness, I'm now into light. But I noticed something when I got saved, some of my behaviors did not. You shall know the truth. That means to know as in the knowing like a relationship. You shall know that deliverance is immediate, but truth is a journey. You don't get it one time. The same truth I got back in 1989 that got me saved. 
I don't need that truth. I already know I'm born again. I need other truths that deal with 2019 because sometimes my feet get a little dirty walking in this world. Sometimes I get some bondage on me. Sometimes things like that hold on to me. So I need more truth to make me free. How many of you ever watched the show Locked Up? How many of you ever been locked up? Don't worry, I'm just kidding. Or 60 Days In. It just teaches you where you don't want to be. I don't want my freedom taken from me. And that's exactly what happens. So they're in there. And you think, well, they did, you know, six months or three months or whatever. They'll never do that again. But there's something called a recidivism rate, which means it's repeat offenders. They go in the system, get locked up. Whew, we did our time. I'm thank, thank God I'm out. And I would be like, I'll never do that again. But instead, these folks, they go back into the system. Why is it they go back into the system? Watch this. The prison doors were opened once their time had been served. The doors were opened and they were delivered, but they were not set free. Because if you can't change this, come on, somebody. If you can't change what's going on in here. You go right back in the same mess you were in, think I'll never do that again, and you keep repeating the same offense over and over and over again. Why? Because they need knowledge. They need to know how to live outside of those cell doors. They need to know what it means to be a man or to be a woman, how to live free, how to have choose the right friends and companions. In the, they need knowledge. When you have knowledge of the truth, it'll make you free. Let me just say, for some of you, you are so frustrated. I mean, you're a believer. You love God. Jesus has set you free. In other words, he's delivered you. But you don't feel the freedom of Jesus. Just to keep it real, freedom is much harder than bondage. Because when you're in bondage... You're managed. So when you go in the prison system, they tell you what time to wake up. They tell you what time breakfast is. They tell you what time activities are or recreation, whatever they have. They tell you what time to go back into your cell. They tell you what time to get it for, for, for dinner. They tell you what time to go to bed at night. And it's a cycle. They manage your life. Bondage will manage your life even when you don't want it to. What you don't manage will manage you. But when you're free, you have to learn to manage yourself. you got to take personal responsibility over your own life. Now, now the Bible talks about sin being used here as an image of slavery. So when it talks about sin, it's like someone who's caught in, in, in being enslaved. The Word tells us that sin is an awful taskmaster. What is sin? It means to miss the mark. In other words, here's what it breaks down to. Sin is any act of rebellion or opposition to God's mark, God's standards, or God's laws. Y'all, you need to know something about God. God is a God of order. And he has a system in place. And he says, you can't cross this line, you can't cross that line. Why? Because I'm God. That separates me from you. Here's my mark. Here's my standards. Here's my laws, my ways. So in regards to sin, 
God reveals it to us by saying, it's a hard taskmaster. You don't want to yield to it. You don't want to give in to it. It'll control your life. When you give in to sin, you're giving up of your own will. Sin, very simply put, wants to stay the head hound show. Sin wants to stay in charge of your life. Sin always usurps your authority and says, this is what I want, and this is how I want it, and this is when I want it. And I want what I want. And it's always opposing the very nature of God. That's why sin is so wrong, and that's why sin is so ugly. That's why we show Jesus on the cross here for our Easter production, I am Jesus. And you'll see him up on that cross, how ugly and how terrifying and horrific it actually was because the sin of the world was heaped upon Jesus. Your your sin and my sin. Every bit of rebellion we had to a good God, to a loving God, to a fair God was placed upon him. And all it does is sin when it rules our life, takes charge of our life, takes charge of our will and says, I want this and everything I want is what the direct opposite of what God wants. How many remember your life B.C.? Before Christ. And y'all looking at me funny right now because some of y'all ain't even over that life yet. Hallelujah. But some of y'all thought, I don't want to talk, I don't want to bring it up. Yeah, you know why? Because some of that stuff we did, we know was terrible, was wrong, wasn't right, right? So what we look back, we go, wow, sin was in charge of my life. But Jesus came into our life to cut the power of sin off. He came to give himself authority in our world. We give Jesus that authority and no longer sin. Jesus delivered you so that now you would have the ability to choose and not be driven by the power of sin every day of your life. Look what Deuteronomy 28.1 says. Talks about this power to choose that Jesus gave us. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today. So he's saying, be obedient to what I say, God says, that the Lord your God, watch what happens, will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. I want the blessing. I want the empowerment to prosper is what blessing means. To not just come upon me, but overtake me. How many are ready for that kind of blessing? The overtaking ability of God in your life. Thank you for your little golf clap. I said, how many people want the blessing of God on their life? Amen. He said this. It'll overtake you. Why? Because you chose. You obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now look what happens when we choose to sin or disobey what God says. In Deuteronomy 28, 15. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, if you choose not to, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, what I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Want the curse. Want blessing. Just sounds better. Rolls off the tongue even better. Don't have time to talk about the curse, but there's some stuff in there I can read you don't want. 
something in there called the itch. You don't want the itch. I want the blessing. Empowerment to prosper. All right? Then that comes down to me having the power to choose. God gave you Jesus by the acceptance of his sacrifice. Jesus has delivered you so that you have the power to choose truth. Before Jesus, before BC, before Christ, you didn't have that ability. You woke up every day living for you. But now then that you got Jesus, you might sin, but you don't wake up in the morning going, man, I can't wait. I'm going oh, to tear up some sin today, boy. I'm, oh, I'm going to sin? You don't think like that. Every day you wake up, Lord, help me today. Give me grace to carry on. God, I want to do what's right. I don't want to keep doing the same stupid thing. Help me, Holy Spirit. Am I telling the truth today? I'm about to run in this place. That's our Jesus giving you power to choose. You couldn't do it otherwise. You'd keep falling prey to sin like you always did, and you didn't even feel bad about half of it. Now, now I want to go to Romans, but I'm not going to stop where most preachers stop and preach. Romans 5 and 6 is great, and I love it, and I preach it, and I believe in it. It's the grace of God. Oh, the grace. Oh, the grace. But that's dessert, and we're going to have a green smoothie first. (laughs) I love his grace. It's amazing. It covers my sin. You better thank God every day you got it. I want to break the power of self-righteousness in people's lives. And Christian, I'm so sick and tired of snooty Christians that think that they don't do nothing wrong and have the goal to point a finger at somebody else and say, you did this and you did that. When you got all of them figures pointing back at you. Ain't one person in this room perfect. I don't know nobody. I'm not. You're not. Nobody. Them kids ain't. Nobody. There's only one in the room today, and his name happens to be Jesus Christ. That's the only one. And he offers grace. I said he offers grace. He offers mercy. I love his grace. But, but Romans 7 will help us. See, Romans 7 will give us understanding. Romans 7 will put things in proper context. Look what it says in verse 14. This, 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 this is not just somebody writing here. This ain't Tom, Tom or Jerry or Jim or Joe writing a little letter here. This is the... D-E-D, apostle, apostle, however you say it, Paul, who they stoned and couldn't kill him, who was beaten three times on his back with 39 strikes each time and survived put in prison in the inner prison and survived shipwrecked three times in the sea shark infested waters and survived the apostle Paul who wrote two thirds of your new testament that you read and feel is sacred and you should because it's the holy writ of God inspired of the Holy Ghost. That Paul. For we know 
that the law is spiritual. But I am carnal or fleshy. Sold under sin. What is he saying here? When you study it, you find out he's saying, when I go the way of my flesh, I'm a slave to that sin. He's talking as an apostle. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. I want to live for him. I want to do what's right. But my behavior doesn't show it sometimes. But what I hate, I don't want to do, it disgusts me, that I do. This brings us into better alignment. And it brings it back down to practicality, brings it back down to the real world of where all of us really live. This may shock some of you today, but Christians struggle sometimes. I know you do gooders. I know you holy than thou's. I know you that spend 15 hours a day with the Lord. I know you that literally fly with the angels in, the, in your dreams. I know you're awesome. You're great. But the majority of us, we struggle. But we didn't get up this morning to struggle. We didn't get up this morning to sin. We didn't get up this morning to live for the devil or live like we used to live. That's not our desire. I'm like, Paul, I don't want to do it. Sometimes. When I give in to my flesh, the carnal, I'm sold under sin. I'm back into its slavery again. Have you ever done something in your past you're not proud of? Like you've done something, you're like, oh, I wish everybody would forget about that. I hope they don't bring that up again. And then you run into some people in your past, and they bring it up. Your face turns red. And they say, you remember that? And you go, no, doesn't ring a bell. Just so they'll change the subject. Come on, we lie sometimes too. Just to change the subject. It's embarrassing. And some stuff that I, I run into people, they say that we did, I really don't remember. You know why? I don't think about it no more. I'm not going over the thoughts about it. I'm just, I just, I did it. I guess, I guess. So I don't know about that. Have you ever went through your old pictures? Come on, y'all. And you had that old haircut. Come on, y'all. And you wish to God. You think, what in the world? What was I thinking? I got a picture of me and Pastor Allen like this. And I got a, it was called a mullet. No, not just any mullet. A permed mullet. Y'all, I tried to tell you, I'm black. I tried to tell you. I was trying to look black but I didn't work out and I had it down to here and I got the biggest grin on my face I just got the long neck big grin and I mean I'm just cheesing man his hair is just all you know like that thinking my god because you know what here's a picture oh my god my heart just sunk you're in it too you're in the same picture but the mullet remember the mullet the mullet was what all business on top, but nothing but a party in the back. Come on, somebody. And you look back and you go, why did I wear those clothes? What was I thinking? I grew up through the 70s and the 80s. Ain't no good thing. No, not good, no good fashion came out of that at all. But we thought at the time it was good, boy. It was good. Right? 
we do things sometimes we go, wow. Well, let me, let's continue. I have no idea why I brought that up. I just thought I'd bring it up. Praise God. <laughs> comes to my mind. Romans chapter 7, verse 16, Paul. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I am that, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. In other words, Paul wants to serve God with all his heart, but he continues to fall short every time. And where? Does he fall short? He falls short in his will, in his choices. His choices then produces his behaviors, and his behaviors then produces his outcomes. Paul's desire is to do right, but his actions are in conflict. Look a little bit further. Romans 7.20. Now, if Paul said, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good, I want to do good. I do, I want to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring. There's a war going in me against the law of my mind and bringing me where? into captivity, back into the jail cell, to the law of sin, which is in my members. This is where a lot of you are at. Dare I say, all of you are at. That there's a war going on. You want to do what's right, but there's always this tug of war to do what's wrong. When you understand who you are, I believe this will help you. God is triune. He's three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, not three gods, one God. Three personalities or three parts to him. He's intricate like that, but so are you. He made you the same way. What do you mean? Bible tells us you are not a body. You are a spirit who lives in a body, who has a soul. Spirit and soul are not the same thing. What's a soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And when your mind is unchecked, your will and your emotions will be unchecked. What is it? In other words, my spirit has been perfected or regenerated the moment I received Jesus as Lord in my life. It is perfect. That's why I wish to do good. It's always perfect. In other words, God consciousness is with my spirit. But with my body is world consciousness. It's fleshly. It's worldly. It gets turned on by the worldly things around me. But then also, I have a soul. My mind, my will, and emotions. And that is self-consciousness. So we have God-consciousness in our spirit. We have world-consciousness in our body. And we have self-consciousness with my soul. In other words, there's always that internal dialogue that's going off on the inside of me. But Jesus gave us the ability to stop all the madness and say, Wait a second. I can choose. I can choose here. So when I got saved, church, I was instantly delivered. 
I got beautifully born again until I'm telling you, even in the natural, it felt like the, I could see the, I don't know, it just felt like to me the sky was bluer and the grass was greener. I can't explain it. Everything seemed technicolor to me. It was like this dark, shadowy blanket or veil that was on me lifted off of me. And I mean, it was real and it was wonderful. And I wanted to do what's right so bad, but I was beating myself up over and over. You know why I was beating myself up? Because I was trying to do what was right without the knowledge of the truth. I didn't know what the word really said about my walk with God. I just felt bad that I'd wronged him. I felt bad that I wasted all these years and I wanted to make it up to him. So I'd give myself headaches trying to study and, and learn. And I, and I was learning good things, but it was all just, it was just from my head. It wasn't really from my heart. I was trying to prove to God. I love you now. I want you in my life. And see how hard I'm working for you now? Obviously, you'll accept me now. I just wanted acceptance. I didn't know he already accepted me, man. I didn't even realize that he loved me while I was in sin. That's why he sent his son. Wow. And that was free, and I didn't have to work hard for it. All I had to do was receive him. So I wanted so bad to do what's right. And I told my wife, I'm done with my flesh. Because, you know, I was like, how many remember, how many remember using the analogy of the jail cell? How many remember uh, Mayberry? And remember, uh, who was it? Andy Griffith. Y'all remember the town drunk Otis? Remember Otis? He's just a happy drunk. Hey, Andy. He'd walk in. And he'd go and grab the keys, remember, off the, the hook on the wall, open the jail cell, open it up. Hey, Andy. And he'd walk into it, shut the jail cell, lock it up, and hang the keys back up and go sleep it off. Andy didn't have to put him in jail. Otis put himself in jail. And that's what Jeff did over and over and over again. I didn't know that he had delivered me. I didn't know he opened wide the cell. I didn't know he wanted to set me free. I thought I had to keep paying for it and paying for it and paying for it. My problem was that my soul had to be renewed. My mind had to be renewed. The Bible calls it the washing of the water by the word. That is a journey. I started doing it in 1989. Here it is in 2019. And I'm still washing my mind with the water of the word. It's a journey. I'm still in motion. True transformation. True transformation comes from the soul, not the spirit. The spirit's already perfect. But I need my life to be transformed. That comes through the soul. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. When my mind has been renewed, when I have a new thought of my life and who he is and who I am and what his word says, and I've got the knowledge of the truth, transformation can begin in my life. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul. Watch this. The vision or dividing of soul and what? Spirit. They're not the same. I know you grew up singing the songs and all that's fine. That's fine. Keep singing them. But they're not right. Soul and spirit are not the same thing. And the word comes to divide so you know what the spirit is because the spirit communes perfectly with God. And what really is my rational way of thinking, my, law, my, my will and my emotions in my life. And also the Bible says it's a discerner, the word of God, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word 
divides what is soul and what is spirit. Church, let, let me say this, and I'm almost done. You, you may not like this part, but your body is not saved. Ain't born again. It ain't saved. Now, what's in me, me, saved. Me. Body is my earth suit. Mine's roomy. Yours may not be, but it's going all to shed, okay? But not the real me. Me, I come from God, therefore, I'm going to live forever. I'm eternal. I'm, you're eternal whether you know Jesus or not. That's what the book says. You're going to live forever somewhere. And how do you know your body's not saved? Because whatever it was doing before Jesus, it still has the capacity and potential to do with him. That's why you see people that love the Lord do crazy stuff. and go, what are they thinking? Amen. Because the body still wants what it wants. My flesh wants what it wants. So if you were a liar and a cheater and everything else before, that potential is still going to be there. The body is bent to go. The flesh is always bent to go back to that. My soul is bent to go back. and i got to renew my mind because whatever my mind goes, my body will give its behavior. It acts it out. Well, pastor, I don't know about all that. Truth is, uh, we are in spiritual warfare, and uh, I messed up, and the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Wow. I think the devil gets a lot of blame. Not that we have to feel sorry for him. But he's getting blamed for stuff he ain't even doing. <laughs> devil made me do it. It was, a, had a, it was an adultery spirit. It's a fornication spirit, sexual immorality that came upon me and overtook me. And it was dark in that room. And I didn't know. And I tripped into the bed, and there she was. And the devil, Pastor. Maybe this started way before the actual act took place in your head. And you allowed that thing to continue in your soul. And the word, the knowledge of the truth should have set you free from that. But you didn't let it depart. Separate it. Come on. And it got a stronghold in you. It was the devil there. Oh, yeah, the devil held the door open for you. But you had the behavior. Do you suck in that green smoothie down? Get that last bit of gunk in the bottle. Get it down. Right? But it'll help you. You have to take personal responsibility in order for you to get better in this life. Amen. Your body needs salvation. The Bible says that when he comes back for us that the body will be glorified. It will be in a righteous state. So in this life, I don't have a righteous body. So it's my job to rein it in and manage it. My job is to rein in my mind, my will and my emotion, and watch, manage it or it will manage me. If I don't rule over it, it begins to rule over me. Somebody say a big amen. Did you all enjoy the message? Listen. Feast of Purim. Feast of Purim was just a couple days back. 
It begins a cycle up into Passover. God begins to judge our enemies. He shows us a sign of that in Esther. You can read the whole book. It's seven books. Read it tonight. It'll take you 30 minutes to read if you want to catch up, or just get the podcast and listen to it. I preached on it on Thursday. It'll catch you up to speed. Church, it sets the stage for Passover. Passover is all about repentance and getting things right. It's all about, it's a new season with God where God continues to judge your enemies just like he did the nation of Israel when they crossed the Red Seas and the enemies were completely judged and they walked across on dry ground. God wants to give you that kind of breakthrough in this season. We're going to talk more about it. But I'm thinking, you know, what we should be doing is fasting and praying during this time. I'm going to start fasting one meal. I want you to fast a meal. Hey, maybe replace it with a green smoothie. You'll be healthier. Praise God. But however you want to do it, but get serious before God so we can do what? We need personal breakthroughs. What else do we need? We need family members to be born again. Right? We need people to be saved. And I want to see this to be, I already believe God showed this to me, that this is going to be the greatest harvest this church has ever seen. I tend to say that every year, and it's true, every year. Every year just gets bigger and bigger. And I believe that with all my heart, it's preparing our hearts for our future. Amen?